Hello and welcome to Regional Classics, a podcast from the University of Oxford, which reflects and celebrates the diverse voices of Oxford classicists, past and present, from different parts of the UK, all the while creating thought-provoking conversations, breaking down barriers, and showing that if you want to study the ancient world, any aspect, politics, history, art, science, literature, culture, and much more, then you can. Oxford classicists do not and need not come from only a narrow cross-section of society. This episode features three Oxford classicists from across the north of England. Joining me today to talk about their own pathways into classics, their relationship with the ancient world and what we can all do to support and grow classics in the north are Christina Troy, a third-year undergraduate classics student at Merton College, originally from Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Amy Thompson, a former classics student at St Anne's College, who's currently a philosophy postgraduate, originally from Oldham, near Manchester. And Professor Llewellyn Morgan from St Helens in Merseyside, an alumnus of Corpus Christi College and currently a fellow in classics at Brasenose College. He's also the faculty's school's liaison officer. The north of England has huge cultural, regional and economic diversity. And the four of us, I'm from the west coast of Lancashire originally, cover ourselves a huge range of that region. But I think we're all united by a fascination in the ancient world. So, Christina, where did that fascination with the ancient world come from? So for me, I remember the first time was actually in year four when we had um, a Greece day. And then the most vivid memory I have is um, the Olympic Games that we held in the afternoon where I was completely rubbish and lost everything. But it was a good experience because I can remember it so vividly. Um, But formally, I guess it would be in secondary school when I had the opportunity to study Latin first um, in year seven and year eight, and then we could study classical Greek in year nine. Um, But then even then, I wasn't particularly thinking about studying classics at university. Um, And actually, the other thing, apart from the formal side of it, was Percy Jackson, which is my favourite. And that was probably the other kind of... um, the most fun aspect of getting to know classics through nonfiction, through kind of not school teaching, just through um, enjoying some reading. But I would highly recommend it to everybody as a way into classics, definitely. But yeah, for me, started with um, Olympic Games in year four. How about you, Amy? Yeah, so I'm very lucky, and I remember some family holidays, uh, which were usually to either Greece or Italy. So uh, to put it one way, my parents should have known that this is what I'd end up doing. Um, but I kind of remember looking up at huge buildings, uh, I remember particularly the Colosseum in Rome, and kind of thinking, how did that get there? Who, you know, what kind of world do we live in that these things last that long? Obviously, at the time, I had no idea that that was a thing you could study at university. I had no idea there was literature or languages that went along with it. I was just kind of astounded by the scale of these buildings um, in cities that, that we would w- walk around when I was quite young. Um, but then similar to Christina, um, it was when I went to secondary school and could study Latin for, you know, only kind of half an hour a week um, at a school that not many children did Latin there, uh, but it turned out that I kind of liked it and was maybe about to be good at it uh, if I worked really hard. Um, And that's how I kind of got into the academic side of things then. And Llewellyn? Yeah, I mean, actually quite, quite, quite a similar story to to Amy, actually, that... um, uh, 
sort of domestically in the in, in the family i had this quite eccentric dad who insisted on on epic caravan holidays which often ended up in in, in quite classical places um and at the time i had no idea that you know being being in southern turkey and looking at amazing stuff would sort of turn me into a classicist more more formally it's it's the old story actually of a of a really inspirational teacher um at a school in in liverpool he'd been at lots of schools in liverpool and been sort of as it were, tracking across Liverpool as the, as the classics departments kind of shut down, and and I was lucky enough to to encounter him, and he introduced me to classics in 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 depth. Also introduced me to the concept of of, of Oxford, which hadn't been really on on, on my mind uh, at all. So important then to have these different influences, whether it be through popular culture or through your families or the trips that you're able to go on, but also through your schools and your teachers. I'm interested, when you first became aware of the ancient world, were you also aware of how the subject itself was perceived amongst whether it be your family or within your school or your peers? I know, Amy, you said that there weren't many people that did do Latin. Did it feel like a, an outsider subject? And, and was that a, a particular draw into doing something that was a little bit different? Yeah, I think um, it was definitely an outsider subject. Uh, it was the kind of thing that, I don't know, the other, so it was compulsory for us in year seven. I went to a girls' school and the other girls would kind of be, oh, Latin again. Why is it every week? It's always, I'm, I'm M. I don't understand these endings. I don't really get what's going on. Uh, it's not that interesting. It's all about the old world. Um, and I kind of desperately wanted to be cool enough that I thought that as well. But I just couldn't think that. And obviously now I know that that was the, that's not the cool version. The cool version is the doors that classics opens for you and the things you can learn there. Uh, but definitely for me, there was an attraction of, um, doing something that you know was was different but also doing something that was such a big challenge um and I kind of liked the the idea that you know these people are struggling with it well then I'm going to be really good at it if they say it's too hard I'm going to prove that it's not too hard there's there's nothing that's too hard to learn um and I think it was kind of the determination to be good at something difficult as much as uh, anything else but then definitely that perception of this is a hard thing and if you can do it kind of well done because you've worked hard to be able to do it that was a, a big part of the perception of classics for me. Well, for me in secondary school, in year seven, eight, everybody had to do Latin. So I think within the school, it was a, everybody had different um, perceptions of classics because we had to do it. And some people really enjoyed that we had to do it. Some people like, oh, like Amy says, it's like a certain kind of view of classics that we have to do this or it's again kind of thing. So I think actually the aspect of being able to choose in year nine, whether we did go on to it. I think always having a choice to do something and you actually choosing to do it gives you a particular perception that actually this is something that I enjoy and want to learn more about. Um, so for me, that was one thing um, that from year seven, eight, I kind of had the same opinion as everybody else. Like, oh, what is this? I don't really understand all of these grammatical structures. But once you kind of get past that and actually being able to choose, especially um, bringing in Greek as well, that gave me a different perception of classics because so far my only exposure was literally through the Latin lessons that we had. So um, that gave me a different perspective. But also I think wider is that I realized how my school was such an amazing school and gave me so many opportunities, but that was because it was an amazing school that taught classics in that way. But actually outside of that, um, because I'm not from an affluent background and don't nobody in my family knows what classics is. Or, you know, for me personally, as a Chinese person, not many people in my community know what classics is. So actually the perception, what is classics, is definitely part of my experience. If we say classics, I think one thing is that people 
think of classical music or think of things that they associate with classics and not the subject but actually if you say oh well do you know about Greek myths do you know about things that are familiar to everybody then that kind of brings in a different perception that oh I didn't know classics was that so then I think for my experience that one being in school is something different but also for me personally with people not knowing what it is and telling them what it is that that brings to light a lot of different perspectives so that was definitely really interesting. Mm, it is really interesting and I wonder what can be done to try and prevent those problems almost with the perception of what classics is and the difficulties around around the name and the brand and what people already maybe have preconceptions about and aren't sure about. Llewellyn, you know, do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, yes and no, and really, because um, I mean, I can look back and I can I can see now that there was there was lots of kind of presence of of classics in a strange way in my in my family, even though you know neither of my parents had had studied it. But I remember being terribly excited. This is a terrible confession, actually, being terribly excited um, when I was about seventeen because I was lent a, a book by this great um, teacher of mine, which is David David West's little book on on Horace. And I, I sort of um, convinced myself that I could, you know, I could, I could read Horace, I could understand Horace, which is, you know, what kind of kid was I at 17? You know, there were so much, much better things I, I could have been doing. But actually, in a, in a strange way, I'm still doing that kind of thing, you know. So even though I didn't know um, then that, that that was what, you know, being an undergraduate to some degree and and being a um, being a, a you know professional in it was like I I did get some kind of presentiment of what it was what it was like you know so through books through teachers and through that kind of more subtle um, stuff that that happens in a family as well maybe I mean for perhaps those prospective students and people who might have have that interest in the ancient world but it isn't something that they've encountered with their family or maybe have felt able to ex- to express or kind of really get across what it is that they're interested in is there any advice that any of you would would give to somebody who's trying to find their way in classics but isn't quite sure either what it is or how they can go about accessing it especially if they've not necessarily had that chance to study the languages at their school it, um, from from me read stuff go to uh, exhibitions go to museums the the, the wonderful thing about classics is that it is it is so massive there's so much stuff i i focus on a in my research on something sort of fantastically narrow which is uh sort of roman poetry um really but there's so much more there's all the greek stuff there's archaeology there's philosophy there's 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 uh, all kinds of things so there's no one way into the subject there are a thousand ways into the subject which which you can pursue by being, you know, enthused by a, a Mary Beard TV program, or or a, a, an event at the local mu- museum, or, or yes, a book in the school um, library, a book of um, myths in the in the school library, something written by um, Natalie Haynes, or, or, or something like that. You know, that, that I think the most important thing to say is that um, there's no sort of route one into in, in into classics. We're all kind of drawn into it in accidental ways finding this kind of intrinsic um, interest in the, in, the, in the subject. I think um, if I can add to that as well. So I only studied Latin at school. So I was very language focused. The only literature I'd read was that that was set on, you know, the syllabus. So the standard beginning of book four, listening to the Dido episode of the Aeneid, all those kinds of things, um, which I do still love, of course. 
Uh, but that was a kind of very narrow route in. And I was kind of looking at university applications thinking the subject seems absolutely massive. How on earth am I going to go from knowing these 300 lines of the Aeneid knowing about the classical world, whatever, you know, wherever you set the, the limits of that? It seems like a kind of boundless thing that you could just pursue forever, uh, which I guess in some ways it is. And as Llewellyn was saying, you know, that's brilliant because it gives us all of these different roads in. And I think the flip side of that is, but you only need one. So although there are thousands of routes in for a thousand different people, each person doesn't, you don't have to think of it as tackling this whole beast. Um, and I think if we, I definitely set it up on my head as I have to know the classical world inside out and backwards. And that is a ludicrous idea to think that one person could know that amount of information, to think that one faculty could know that amount of information. And so I think also the flip side of what Llewellyn was saying is that pick your one route follow the paths, just ask the questions. And once you've got the one in, that's all you need and keep on going. And I, that's the brilliance of the subject. But I completely empathise with people who think that makes it overwhelming or somehow inaccessible. Uh, but it, it doesn't have to be like that. I think I would say that, as actually both speakers are saying, that plastic seems so huge, but that's what's so great about it, that we are all still learning about it, as in every day we find something new that, oh, I didn't know this was interconnected. So I think it's just important to start somewhere, anywhere you like, really. It could be a book. I mean, just go on YouTube and type in myths. There's like short TED Talks, short myths. Um, you can look at documentaries if um, you want to, or you can read a magazine if there's some article that you found or anything. Talk to somebody, think, ask them whether they know about anything, because mo more likely some, somebody else has heard of something. You can add to that knowledge. There's museums, there's Libraries says those are free resources. I think that's the important thing to point out that classics is accessible literally um, in front of you. As in, I did Greek art, and as soon as I noticed one column, I started seeing columns like everywhere in the street. So then I think starting somewhere, speaking to people, looking for free things, there's free things everywhere, and then start. So it could be a museum, just ask somebody to go with you to um, see if there's a you know a Greek vase anywhere just something and then starting there and there's normally links and there's also if it's a museum there are staff there who are very knowledgeable and uh, if there are any activities so it doesn't have to be that you start reading you know a classical text straight away it could be something very easy just a short video and then learning about that being interested um, and just keep going if it interests you definitely. That's a great point. And across the north, there are so many towns and cities that have been influenced so much by classical architecture and history that people don't necessarily know about. Um, and I think more work is being done to highlight those places. So, so do try and find the local, the local gems just as much. We mentioned there about, about the breadth of classics, but how interdisciplinary it is. So you don't just do a language or literature, you also have combine historical and archaeological skills. I know, Amy, you're now doing philosophy. So can you tell us a bit about how you got into that and how that's formed such a part of your kind of classics experience? Yeah, of course. So classics, the mods programme for the first two years of classics at Oxford, uh, I found out when I arrived, required you to do some philosophy. And I kind of thought, oh no, this is uh, suddenly going to end badly. So I studied Plato to begin with as part of the mods course, which was, seemed to be the paper that everyone did. It felt safest. It felt like there'd be people to, to hold your hand and help you along the way. Uh, I had a brilliant tutor who taught me for the, the first part of the mods course on Plato. And after that, I kind of said, well, for finals, yeah, I'll do the Republic because I love the Plato mods paper. I'll keep going. I got into the Republic. Turns out that Republic is about all of philosophy. 
Uh, there's every topic in there I could possibly have imagined. And so I picked out some ideas and kind of went to my personal tutor and said, uh, well, I like these books. I like the middle books where they're talking about the metaphysics and, you know, what, what the things in the world actually are. Uh, what, what could I do with that? And my tutor was uh, Roger Crisp. And he kind of said, uh, everything. I, I think you, you can do, you can learn about everything by going that way in. Uh, so I then picked up kind of the knowledge and reality paper, the ethics paper, the philosophy of mind paper, the logic and language paper. Uh, and one of my history tutors kind of joked that it was uh, as though I was on a mission to find the hardest philosophy paper that existed uh, to try and conquer it. And that, I guess, goes back to being determined to learn to do Latin because people told me it was hard. Uh, and I guess that also applies to the philosophy that I've picked up as well. But definitely, I would not have come to philosophy in as much depth and detail if it hadn't been a mandatory part of the, the MODS programme. And so, needless to say, I'm very, very glad that it was. Um, but I guess it's kind of easy to think of philosophy as an extra and kind of somewhere outside classics, um, especially because, I don't know, some, some scholars of Plato don't read Greek anymore now that it's not kind of part of all of our secondary curricula. Um, and so it almost feels like it's a separate discipline in itself. Uh, but what I think is super interesting is that for every modern idea that you come across in uh, philosophy, there's, I have, I'm yet to find a counterexample to this, but it seems that there's always um, a kind of ancient version of it, or this debate has always come up, whether it's in explicitly philosophical texts or perhaps even, even in literature, this kind of conundrum that philosophy is grappling with always has a kind of ancient forebear of it. Um, and so I guess that's one, one way that the two have kind of come together for me, even though I now, you know, I don't work on ancient authors now, I work on political philosophy um, and ethics. But even there, there still seems to be this kind of genesis between the classical disciplines and the philosophy that I, I've more recently done. And I know Llewellyn, your interests and in research has obviously been in Roman poetry, but you've since expanded that reach, particularly looking at the Near East. And again, how is the, the breadth of classics there reflected in your research? In lots of ways, actually. I mean, if I, if, if I could go back to being a, an undergraduate, I had a, a similar experience with with philosophy, which, um, it, well, similar but different, because a big difference between me and Amy is that I wasn't very good at philosophy, but I, I chose to do as much philosophy as anything else. And it was, without question, the most interesting and and sort of shaping kind of education I, I ever had. And it was just you know such a good example of of where classics can take you actually and I, I you know I, 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 I live by some of the things that I, I learned at that that point 30 years later but yeah no sort of more recent research I mean I've still my my, my expertise such as it, it is is in sort of reading literature but I I spent a lot of time with archaeologists and sort of collaborating with archaeologists in in various places and that for example, collaborating with archaeologists in Pakistan, and those are um, uh, that still counts as as, as classics. It's it's a, a kind of a, a version of classics, which is partly the reception of, of of classics. It's a historical thing about the 19th century and what people in that part of the world were thinking about where they were. Um, but it's also a sort of deep historical thing about Greek history in that part of the world and and history thereafter. So. Um, Yes, absolutely. It, it takes you into into interesting um, spaces if you if you if you hang around long enough, and and even if you don't actually, because as an under undergraduate, at Oxford in, in particular, but you know in anywhere that you can study the subject, 
you can go into history, you can go into art history, you can go into linguistics, you can go into philosophy, uh, you can go into 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 into, into literature. It is an inherently diverse subject. I know, Christina, you're now in the second part of your degree where you get to pick from a really wide variety of papers. What what are some of the ones that you've chosen and are enjoying so far? Oh, well, just to go back to philosophy, because as Amy, I did pick the Plato paper. And um, actually, philosophy is probably the, if I have to say what I'm the proudest of doing so far at Oxford, it's actually the philosophy paper, because I found it really hard. If you ask the people I was talking to at the start of doing the paper, you'll know how hard I found the module. But I think that actually, there's something about taking on something that you found so difficult and not understanding anything especially you know the language I think when you approach anything for the first time it seems impossible because there are so many new things coming at you at the same time but actually once you start to get into it a bit more and you find something that interests you whether it's a certain argument and philosophy or something that is just an interesting question that you've not thought about before that actually it seems much more doable and then after doing the paper then I went on to pick um, the republic also so we can tell how far I've come from impossibility at the start of mods to um, doing it at grades. And I think um, what's interesting about philosophy is that it doesn't have to be kind of put into a box because it's so relevant to everything. It's so relevant to modern ideas. It's so relevant to big questions um, that we that everybody might, well, not everybody might ask, but some people might ask someday, you know, what the big questions and it doesn't have to be um, that you have to be a classicist to know about these things. It, it's something that I think is able for uh, accessible to everybody. Um, but also in terms of um, classics and being related to other things, I think skills wise, that that's something that might not necessarily seem initially apparent that it connects to lots of different things. But I mean, I'm doing um, as part of a different thing, I'm doing something on digital and data, which seems completely unrelated to classics, but actually the way that I've been trained to think by doing classics and looking at something and being like, oh, this is very difficult, but actually what do these things mean? How do I break it down? It's something that I think my course and the discipline has trained me to do. That is something so unrelated with, you know, data that actually we find the ways that we think in classics and the way that we think about other ideas is connected and I guess that brings in philosophy as well that actually all of these things are thinking about why things that they are the way they are and what's interesting about them um, so I think in that way it connects to loads of different disciplines and loads of different areas of our lives. I think uh, similarly to what Christina was saying there um, I'm coming to the end of my degree I've obviously spent a lot of time looking at uh, job adverts uh, so I've got very used to the language that gets used in them um, and it seems that there's a kind of codified thing whereby uh, all of the adverts will say we want you to have an economics or a business degree or a science degree or another analytical degree, e.g. chemistry, physics, biology. And they list off this whole ream of science degrees that are what the employers think of as analytic degrees or where you've kind of garnered analytical skills. Um, and I think the burden is really here on people like me and Christina in a few years time to to go out and show that we have analytical skills too. And that although we're not on the list that, you know, I'm not suggesting they're gonna start putting classics on the list of, of degrees that they're necessarily looking for. But I think there's a huge weight on us right now to go out and show that these skills that we've learned are applicable in the workplace. And we're just as analytical as our scientific counterparts. 
Um, and I, I do think that that's something that would encourage a lot more people into classics, especially from, from the North where maybe the line of, you know, you need to have this kind of scientific background to go and have a really successful job or to have job security and, you know, to get the things that are going to pave your path towards the life that you want to build for yourself. And that was certainly a line that was pushed on me when I was looking at which, which degrees to go on to do. Because I had A-levels in, in maths and sciences as well. Um, and so, I, yeah, I feel very strongly that, you know, we do have these skills. Classics has given us these skills. And it's kind of on us now to go and show, to, to keep showing the world that um, these skills come from classics as much as from other degrees. Can I can I support that that view of things? I mean, I think uh, absolutely correct. And it, it's not just there is you know stuff like philosophy in there. Is that to be a classicist, you're you're studying you know on the one hand um, a piece of literature, and and then the same week you're writing a, a philosophy essay. So it's a kind of a flexibility of of uh, mental approach and also of expression because a philosophy essay or a philosophy article that you're reading is very different from a from a, a literature or, or, or historical thing that that you're reading and and just to give you some confidence um it is still something that i hear regularly from friends of mine who are in different areas of, of business and and the professions um they 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 might express it with surprise but they express it and they say for example one friend the best lawyers i see are always ex-classicists. I mean, and and this guy had no reason to say things that I wanted to hear, though I, I was delighted to, to hear that. Now you could analyze that, but it's it's all about the things that um, Amy's been been talking about, those strengths of of analysis and argumentation. Certainly. And it's has been shown also with I think more universities across the country being ever more aware that having had some sort of classical background so if for example you may not have been able to study classical languages but you've been able to do a bit of classical civilization or ancient history at school if that is a possibility that those are really respected and valued subjects for going on to university because not only as you've said of the analytic skills and the communicative skills that you've said but also because of the breadth and the approaches and, and the subject that you're studying. Just going back a little bit to when, you know, you were all studying at school and thinking about your university choices, to what extent did your educational family, economic, geographical location influence and affect your, your applications and your kind of your choices at, at university in particular? So I start at the beginning a long time ago. I've been thinking about this quite, 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 quite a lot. And um it's it, it's kind of strange, but I mean, my my family history in this respect is, is quite complicated. That my um, dad actually went to Cambridge, but he joined he joined, went to Cambridge in 1938, right? And uh, then he joined up in 1939, right? <laughs> and he never went back to Cambridge, and he never went back to Cambridge. This is not a hit at Cambridge. So you could say this of Oxford as well. He never went back to Cambridge. I mean, he finished his degree somewhere else, but he never went back to Cambridge because he he just disliked Cambridge. Cambridge was full of, as he put it, very, 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 very posh people, right? And he was a grammar school boy from and with a Welsh kind of background. Now, this is relevant because um, living in Liverpool, living outside Liverpool, but also living with very middle class, very, you know, strong in cultural capital kind of family, there was also, because, you know, the class system in this country is so subtle. There was also this sense that Oxford wasn't 
the Orcs Bridge was not the place for 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 people like us. Not not a heavy sense, but it just didn't didn't kind of feature on on the scene of things. And my sense is looking back, and I have to guess at this, that it was only a few few places in in Liverpool back then. The Blue Coats may be in addition to, to to my my school, but still not very many, which were encouraging their strong students to to you know apply to to uh, Oxbridge um, or or indeed apply out you know sort of get across the country to you know universities as as well. So you know again I trace it to to, to that teacher actually. Yeah, I would also trace it to um, a particular pair of teachers that, that I had uh, in sixth form. Um, but I think that, you know, that the dynamics around applying to university and deciding where to go, what to do, all those kinds of things, I do think they uh, impact people differently in, in ways that we're kind of only just starting to uncover. Um, so to give you the, the background on, on my side of things, um, neither of my parents have A-levels, never mind uh, undergraduate degrees. Um, and so for me, you know, I went to a, a grammar school and... Um, the, there was always a sense that I would probably go on to university, uh, but it was a probably rather than it was a, it being a given that that's what would happen. Um, and the sense in which I would go to university was because, well, that's what you need to do to get the best job. Um, and so if you're kind of funneling your life towards, I need to go to university to get a degree that's employable to get a good job, that doesn't necessarily in the kind of cultural imaginary of, of where I'm from lead to doing a classics degree. Uh, in fact, it led me while I was actually at sixth form to apply to do a physics degree. Um, and it was only after kind of submitting that thinking, I've made a terrible de uh, decision here. <laughs> and I don't think that's what I'm going to spend the next four years doing. Uh, it was only after submitting it that I actually said, I'm going to have to take a year uh, and, and reapply. Uh, so the classics was my kind of second shot at university, exactly because of these cultural dynamics that, that play in. Uh, there's a sense in which you're funneling your, your life towards a particular um, degree in order to get the job. And when university is kind of functional like that, uh, that definitely, I think, plays into to the dynamics of more people's decisions than we maybe anticipate. For my application, I think, um, well, firstly, I have to trace it all completely back to my mum, who actually, you know, gave me the amazing opportunity to go into this school that provided me with the opportunity to study classics. If not, I don't think I would ever have known about classics or even considered going because you know that was probably the only opportunity because of the opportunities that the school gave in terms of the resources that they could provide so without without that I would not have been able to even consider applying I think because I was determined to study and so likewise with my sister who decided to study medicine is that we have been so supported that nothing would ever stop us from doing what we'd want to do you know I think if we want to do that we will find some way to do that so I think again that comes from my mum with the support that she gave so with the application if I was going to study classics I thought I'm going to go for it and actually thinking about it now and um, looking back once I'm studying classics is that I can see all the different factors that were at play but that I kind of just like made a beeline towards studying which is really interesting I think especially now with the discipline is that we see we now look at it, all the different things that have been influencing. I'm not sure if that's the same for everybody, but I've definitely noticed looking back all of the things that have been at play that maybe I didn't notice before, which is really good that we're actually doing that now. Um, but in terms of 
kind of my social background is that nobody I think on my street knows about classics or you know and as I, as I said earlier as a Chinese person again not many people know what it is but I think what's interesting is that because I'm doing it I'm hoping to show people that you know you can do it because I am doing it and that actually we shouldn't be thinking about you know all of these different issues that might be barriers think about what your goal is and then get to that goal and then all the barriers you just kind of bash through them and get through them as you go because at the end of the day what we're all doing is that we're doing something that we enjoy and that we want to learn about and that actually I think thinking about that has already given me a path to studying it um, to applying for it and then going for it um, but one other note to add is actually I didn't decide to do classics until pretty much the last minute because I was deciding between law and classics. And I think the deciding factor was that I found out that there's a, it's actually very difficult to find any discipline that will directly drive you towards a job, which I think is one of the key issues when we're thinking about applying for anything is that what can this give me in terms of my future life? And that actually, even in things like engineering, it's not a straight line towards a discipline, uh, towards a job. It's actually what the what the degree gives you is an opportunity to find out about the degree and then from that you can always find different ways into different workplaces and I think as we talked about earlier with the skills that you get actually in any degree you then take that to the job so um, particularly for me though the, the application part I was very lucky in being able to be determined and go for it and have the support and opportunity that I needed but actually on reflection that you know I think that's been the most important fact and regardless of what other people thought or what other barriers there were to think about what you want to do and then go for that. Fantastic. I'm interested then in how all these different uh, impacts and experiences that you've said that formulated that, that decision to do classics, how they then were still at play when you went on to do classics. When you were at Oxford, um, and some are still at Oxford, how your, your background and your experience has, has impacted that secondary experience? I think so much of how everything happens in this country, this isn't um, um, a very profound insight, but is is about this internalised sense, what we all have carrying around about places we we have we can go to and other places we can't go to, you know, um, things where we, we're kind of licensed to do and things we aren't licensed to do, which we sort of refer to not very helpfully as the as the class system, but as the class system. As, a, as an academic, it's a strange space you occupy because you're not part of that you're 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 parallel to it and and the most valuable thing in kind of social terms about the job that I've ended up doing the most valuable thing in other, other terms is that I get paid to read Latin poetry all the time which is fantastic but in 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 social terms it's it's that I, I I'm, I'm not constrained by who I can talk to or where I can go to or what what I can contribute to so I'm liberated from whatever it was that that was kind of constraining this family in 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 Merseyside in 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 very subtle ways, um, really back um, back then. So I mean that's ridiculously kind of vague, isn't it? But that's my uh, my contribution. For my experience studying here is that I think the only negative, I guess, experience that I would say, but that I want to flag up is not, I think, is part of a wider issue that's being solved. Is that when coming to Oxford for the first time and seeing what I was studying somebody expressed surprise uh, well actually they presumed that I was an international stud uh, student studying classics uh, that you know and I don't think it was because of my northern background everybody was from the south that I had to have a Skype interview so I think it's things like that sometimes that surprise people that I can be who I am and studying 
classics think without thinking of my background I think that's one thing that's been part of my experience but actually that I've um, been really happy to see a greater awareness of things like that that actually people study classics from all over they can be international they can be home students they can be anybody from wherever and that actually I think by for example me coming on to here and representing you know myself in as being a classicist from a different background I think that's an important part of people beginning to be more aware that classics and people studying classics can come from anywhere. Um, so I think that's the only, I guess, negative, but I think the positive on that side is that actually by speaking about experiences like this, that people become more aware and more careful and more, I guess, active actually in trying to find um, people who enjoy classics and trying to attract them to study the discipline here. Yeah, I think um, thinking about my undergraduate experience, I actually kind of again built up in my head that coming to Oxford everyone would be different everyone would practically be conversant in Greek where I was just about to start Greek having not studied it at school but there was definitely much less of an impact on my experience than I kind of expected there to be. And I think adding to what Christina was was saying I mean one thing that I always want to do with potential applicants is kind of get them into the city during term time get get them around when get them here when when students are around which is you know administrative terms you know, incredibly difficult um and and particularly when people are coming from a, a long way away but it's so valuable because they have people have a kind of a mental image of of oxford which is kind of dreaming spires and gorgeous buildings and and people dressed in cravats sort of wandering around and they land here and they walk around and they talk to students and they see exactly that diversity they don't see as much diversity as there should be because it's a kind of a closed circle but but they do see a whole range of of, of different people from different backgrounds and it's such a sort of penny dropping moment when these these young people kind of look around them and think there's no reason this could, shouldn't be my my space and that that's that's the fundamental thing that they can sort of see this space as their space as a space where they can do interesting things and enjoy themselves and have friends and and, and learn and, and and so on yeah I think you're right and seeing it living and breathing with the energy I think also that there is in Oxford not just the city but within the university and and all the different exciting people that are that are brought together to study classics in particular, is such a valuable experience. Is there anything else that you think, with us all coming from the North, that you would have appreciated experiencing before you came to Oxford? You know, if you were trying to reach and engage prospective students from the North, is there anything in particular that you feel specific to the region would be even more helpful? I do think Oxford is a, has, has become um, something of a University of the South East. Um, in, in terms of um, you know the broad character of the people that think of it naturally as a place to apply to. The big question is how we communicate the idea generally to people in my neck of the woods in, in Merseyside or up, up the coast um, or, or, or you know the northeast. Um, I mean how, how can we make them understand that this is um, this is a place where they would enjoy themselves and and learn what they need to, um, to learn. I'm I'm not sure. I think this kind of thing. I think think using sort of contemporary technology to show people how what you know what kind of people we are or aren't. Yeah, uh, and and where we where we are and so on is is one way of doing it. But that's the that's the that's the key thing, and that's the most difficult thing as as well. 
I think transport wise is also something that's a huge consideration for me that actually I don't have a car so having to you know think about Oxford being actually so far away and how to move all my stuff and you know the comfort of being a in the north but b just you know at home generally and having to transport all of these different things down into the south and actually I think by showing people that it is doable and not not hiding that it might be difficult but actually you know saying that it is doable um there is support out there and there are other people who've done it before who can maybe offer advice as to you know what trains you can get just simple things like that for me personally Cambridge and Oxford thinking about that I was thinking about you know how can I actually feasibly and cheaply get to the university you know on the train without having to change the train taking you know 50 bags off the train Um, so things like that just thinking not only about the subject side but thinking about all the things that um, Oxford can offer and support and thinking about the students in particular who have different experiences in getting there and can actually help give advice I think that's one thing that's really valuable so we should you know show who we are what our experiences are how we can actually help and that you know it's not just you're left on your own up at the north if you want to get to Oxford and you have no way to approach that you know find open days speak to students you know get in touch with the colleges see if they have any students from the north and say oh I have some questions about transportation or you know finance get in touch about that um and I think getting those questions answered is really key to feeling you know better and feeling not lost that you're just you, you have no idea what to do so you won't even bother applying and finding out actually I think everybody is willing to help if you have questions just say and then somebody will know the answer yeah I think um, building on that classicists and especially Oxford classicists in my experience are just the kind of people who will go as far as they can to the ends of the earth if they have to to help you because you know we want more northern classicists we kind of appreciate that it shouldn't be confined to those who studied Latin and Greek from the womb. So, you know, we we want to encourage that and people are willing to help exactly because it aligns with their interests of of wanting to to diversify the subject. Uh, It's really not difficult to find people who want to help. Um, You just have to send one email or or make one phone call and, and help will kind of pour forth in my experience. Exactly. And you'll be able to find links to outreach in the north and also to all of the different link colleges. So those Oxford colleges that have links with different regions in the north on our regional classics webpage. When it comes to not just Oxford, but also classics, maybe Oxford classics. But are there any other myths that you would like to dispel? Um, one about l- languages and, and, and how you uh, gain access to, to the courses here and the, the fundamental story being that it's it's great if you've had the opportunity um to to learn latin at at school it's great if you've had the opportunity to learn latin and greek at school but you don't need either of 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 those at all or to a level or equivalent but you know at all to apply for a range of courses um here at here at oxford what you need is a a motivation um and uh, an enthusiasm uh, to 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 learn about these cultures in in all the kind of diverse uh, ways that you can uh, learn learn about them that we've been we've been um, talking about, but that's that's the main thing. People people assume that they're not they're just fundamentally not qualified to apply, um, and and they are. Everybody is qualified to apply. Can I just add on to that actually? That I think one myth or misconception is whatever you're thinking that the people are like they are probably most likely not what you're thinking they're like even if you think you know everybody is 
they're so smart they're so unfriendly everybody knows each other all of these things that's not true because in any place there will be other people who are feeling exactly the same as you and actually although I'm saying this I felt exactly the same which is why I can say that I was completely wrong about everybody and I've made you know really close friends who are studying classics who are like-minded who you know we all procrastinate we all do things that students do because we're human beings and I think that's something that whatever you're thinking and presuming about other people I think it's a great lesson in any case to not ever presume anything but particularly with lots of classics that everybody went to the same schools they all know each other you're the only outsider that that's not true there are always people that are feeling exactly the same as you who want to be friends with you um, and that you just have to you know dispel that be brave and and just you know go for it make that conversation there are always people who are going to like you um, because everybody wants to make new friends and they want to be connected by the fact that we're all learning so I think don't let any of your own um, preconceptions about what people might be or what the course might be hinder you from going go and find out what it's like um, and then you'll find out most likely that you know all your worries or most of your worries were not not anything to be worried about. Fantastic. I think that is a wonderful note on which to, to end this episode. You summed it up so beautifully there, Christina. Thank you so much to all three of our panellists for sharing your thoughts and experiences with us today. And thank you for listening to this episode of Regional Classics. We hope that you will join us for the next episode soon.